live in a fast-paced, hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed, and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? How do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path, but follow it? Welcome to Master Your Life, a show that offers inspiration, insight, and intelligence, as well as success stories from many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny. Our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show that gives you insight, inspiration, and intelligence and gets you to think about who you are and who you want to be. My name is Dr. Howard Rankin, and along with my host, Leah Mattinson, uh, we welcome you to the show today. Leah, how are you? How's your week been? Oh, my week has been fantastic, Howard, as usual. I yes. um, have had some very <laughs> wonderful, wonderful insights and uh, just really uh, feel so uh, incredibly blessed to have this show and the guests that we have on our show and I've had the career that I've had in coaching. And what's just really come to the forefront for me in the last probably couple of months is, uh, and we've talked about it before on the show, but is this whole theme of the uh, masculinization of women over the last, you know, 60 years or so. So how and how much that has influenced not only me, um, but a lot of my uh, friends and not just female friends, but male friends as well. And uh, that there's a, a real calling uh, for me to do workshops. There always has been for doing seminars and retreats. For, um, but now it seems like there's uh, a very big, um, just clear picture of the uh, need for workshops or, or um, seminars that help people to kind of reclaim their uh, feminine uh, aspects and just to come home and heal. Yeah, and and we've had a number of guests uh, because we had John Gray talking about the hormonal differences between men and women and how those those hormones mean that men and women react differently in different situations. Uh, his work's always interesting. Uh, recently, we had uh, Dr. Mario Martinez talking about the masculinization of, of women and the culture and, and what that's actually done to women's health. And he pointed out that cardiovascular disease is on the rise in women uh, in a way that it never has been. And he was attributing that to the, the sort of masculinization. Uh, and I just think it's fascinating. And, and, and um, you know, I've certainly written books where this is entirely relevant. And I see that. Uh, and I see that in a way there's a the sort of typical binary brain fallacy, you know. Um, and, you know, it's not that... Um, you, there's there's men and women and they're two separate things and they don't overlap um, but neither does that mean they're the same so I think there is some confusion there and I think it is manifesting itself in these different ways certainly health um, you obviously have more insight than I do on that what are your experiences? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm I don't not know if woman. I have more insight. Maybe just a, maybe a different insight. But, well, uh, well, yes, uh, you're yes. fairly insightful, Howard. Just so oh, that everyone you. knows that. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate I that. I, I th- yeah, I, I think some of the biggest insights that I have is, you know, like I think there's just a lot of confusion about what femin- being feminine or the feminine part of your um, being is, you know. So uh, if I bring up sort of anything to do with femininity, automatically people are, you know, drawn to the whole, uh, well, what are you, a feminist? I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm not referring to that at all. And so that, again, is kind of a, it's almost a way to um, put, if you're, if you don't have, you know, fairly good ego strength or good self-esteem, as soon as somebody labels that, throws that label out, you don't want to talk about it anymore because, you know, you're being painted with this brush of things that is uh, not necessarily that um, attractive. Uh, mm-hmm. So the feminine and masculine have nothing to do uh, with the feminist movement, in my, in my mind anyway. Uh, I think f- uh, a feminine energy is that energy that is, gives birth to ideas. It's like the creative energy, nurturing, um, you know, kind of heart-based. And, and it can look like a lot of different archetypal things. In, you know, so we're, uh, you know, a girl first and then a, a, a daughter and, you know, we can be a wild woman, we can be a goddess, we can be a queen, a mother, a virgin, a femme fatale. Like, there's lots of things that that feminine energy looks like. And they're not all, you know, virginal. They, they just have mm-hmm. this, we have a very wide span of things that it looks like. At the basis of it, though, I think is really this um, free-flowing, uh, creative, uh, blissful sort of energy and so, and do you have, what do you think about that? And then do you have something that's kind of what you would define as the masculine energy? Um, well, again, I think it's, it, it, it would be a range. And, and I think this is important because, uh, you know, when talking and think about anything, the danger is to sort of simplify it and stereotype it. And I think that's part mm-hmm. of the problem that's gone on in this debate um, you know, uh, women are many things, and men can be many things too. Uh, and uh, we should just acknowledge that because, frankly, that's a reality. And I, I do like there was a book, and you're probably familiar with it, 20 years ago, uh, although you were probably too young. 20 years ago, you were, what, what, five? <laughs> yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were about six, I think, by my calculation. Yes. <laughs> um, but there was this book by Deborah Tannen called You Just Don't Understand, and it was about male and female communication patterns. And now, admittedly, it was 20 years ago, but she had done a lot of research. And um, and basically, her summary, and again, it's a summary. It's not set in stone. It's not always like this. But as a generalization, you know, men see the world in terms of power and status, and women see the world in terms of nurturing and relationships. And again, that's not... You know, neither of those are uh, special qualities that the other gender can't have. But in terms of a summary as a generalization, I think that's what you were talking about there. You know, the creativity, the nurturing, and so forth. And whether that is politically correct or not, you know, and whether that's changing, that may well be changing. Um, but I think we need to accept that there are things that, at least up to this point in time, characterize women and characterize men. And it's not that men can't be nurturing, and it's certainly not that women you know, can't be into power and status. Um, but those have been the traditional roles 
I think, coming out of the biology, psychology, and spirituality of each person. Mm-hmm. And I, so, it, like picking up on that, I absolutely agree. We need to have the um, the other aspect within us in order to function uh, in the world, and we're supposed to be in the balance, like the yin and yang of things. There, there right. are, but all of those aspects lie within us, uh, each of us, uh, whether we're in a male body or a female body. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're when we're um, like for me speaking it for myself, and for many of my friends who and and coaching clients throughout this, this last ten years, the a really common theme is I feel so exhausted. <laughs> I feel so exhausted of fighting, quote unquote. Like I feel like I'm fighting all the time. I'm fighting for like to get my kids to listen to me. I'm fighting for the next uh, rung on the ladder. I'm. Fi- fighting for, you know, to get through traffic. I'm fighting to wake up. I'm fighting with exhaustion. Like we just, we use the term fighting mm-hmm. um, really so frequently in our language and in our, in our languaging of things. And I'm shocked by the amount of, um, like, that's such a male energy uh, mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. fighting things. Mm-hmm. And that, yep. we're, that, that we're, <laughs> we're trying to move everything with force. Uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to having this kind of that we move things along with the effortless power of of kind of that nurturing and not coming from a place of fighting, but coming from a, a place of acceptance of this is like when I hear my girlfriend say, I'm fighting my way through traffic, I go, Well, you know, have you ever just thought <laughs> of maybe this is you know, maybe you're you're taking a pause here either because something further up the line has gone horrifically wrong for somebody else mm-hmm. or you know, so it's like that count your blessings and be grateful that you're not involved mm. in whatever is going on up further on the road. Or right. maybe this is time for you to just to take a breath and, you know, take a, take a pause in your day to sing a song out loud to yourself in the car to bring you back to your center. And just moving back into that more nurturing of yourself and taking the opportunity versus fighting your way through, fighting our way through everything. And so by the end of the day, um, and I, at this point, there's very, very few of my friends who, or even coaching clients who say at the end of the day, they feel emotionally centered, blissful, <clears throat> um, peaceful, serene, uh, any of those, and that they almost don't even have the energy to nurture their families. Like getting through pr- the preparation of a meal is a big chore. Uh, hugging their kids is exhausting. It's, oh, my kids are exhausting. Everything is exhausting and tiring. And that's very much not from a feminine um, being filled with that feminine, creative, mm-hmm. joy-filled uh, space. So yeah. The, the yeah, so it's just critical, I think, for us to figure out how to get back back to that. I agree, Leah. I think there's a, a danger um, that people will want to, because they don't want to be seen as somehow inferior, that they're going to downplay their talents um, because they feel that's sort of inappropriate, which it clearly isn't. Um, but, but you know, we have a culture and an environment now where some people will feel that. And, you know, I think that's one of the seriously damaging things about the, the culture. It's, it's making people feel almost ashamed of 
talents and skills that are critical and there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed about. And neither does it mean if you embrace that, that you can't be other things. I mean, I think that's where the problem comes. If 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 I'm a woman and I define myself as caring and nurturing, oh, that means I can't be a CEO. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. You can be both of those things. And in fact, you can you be. Will a caring and nurturing CEO. <laughs> well, no, absolutely. And there's where the sort of simplistic binary brain, which I'm always going on about, comes into play in in misunderstanding that. You know, if you embrace something, you know, like nurturing, it doesn't mean that's all you do. You know, if as, as a guy I embrace, well, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at executive function and tasks. That doesn't mean all I, that's all I can do. Um, and I think we should all be okay with, more than okay with, what those natural talents are. Yeah, and I just want to pick up on the like the nurturing kind of piece of this, of the things that um, you know we've had guests on that we've just the whole culture has changed so much in the last sixty years. You know, ever since we've all been supposed to have had this enchanted life according to Disney, and and also be all be all things to to all people. And, and the value that um, uh, was taken away from nurturing roles, so motherhood, for example, was seen as having, when I was growing up, definitely, and I'm only 26 now, no, <laughs> but, but at almost 50, at almost 50, that, the, that in our culture here in North America, uh, growing up, it was very much... Uh, it was marketed to us that we were going to, you know, become um, part of the workforce. It wasn't an option to stay home, really. People who stayed home, women who stayed home with their kids were very much, um, and I was even encouraged to think that they were not equal to the women who were working. Mm. And, and yeah, it's lots of indoctrination, I think, goes along the way, and we're marketed. It's very specific marketing that happens that we would only have value if we were working outside the home and that yeah, we needed to be on the payroll and that we needed to be putting in, like I think in the States, you know, it's, I remember at some point when I was doing, you know, kind of high level consulting that the expectation was, you know, uh, between like 80 hours a week of work. Yes, that's right. And that that yes. was really normal in uh, yep. North America at the time and, and to think that I look back on that now and think, holy, that was such a bunch of baloney, like totally well, uh, insane. Well, and with kids, with yeah, kids. Yeah, and also I think it misses the point and insulting. What more important job is there than parenting? Right. right? I mean, <laughs> I don't think there is a more important job. And so that was really minimizing the role of motherhood what what's wrong with motherhood it is the most important thing i believe certainly one of them that you could do but you're right you so then we had women going to work feel they had to work 40 hours a week then they would come home and do a lot of the housework and the parent and all of that stuff you know no wonder they're exhausted yes and i think that it also created exhaustion and uh, illness you know, within the women and then all these fractures within families because there's I can I'm looking in my own family this is not looking you know out of the outside world but my family I think mirrors a lot of what is going on in North America you know so the children, kids aren't parented um, you're tired when you get home from work there you, you're not you don't have the energy 
that you maybe would have had if you had been spending some time with them during the day. The consequences, you know, or you're staying up late at night to get homework done, or you're staying up late at night to go out and perform whatever the next hoop is that you need to jump through in order to be a quote-unquote good mom or a quote-unquote good parent. And as those roles change, not only did it be be quote-unquote good mom, it's quote-unquote good single mom because I think that the divorce rate was at least at 60%. And so if you think of all of the marriages and families that have fallen apart um, and then we're trying to um, be parents and work and have a roof over our head and we have this financial reality that is um, very much disconnected from having certainty, which is the basis of all of our needs. Yeah, so many important things there, um, which we will discuss on the other side uh, when we come back on Master Your Life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. When was the last time you said, I love myself and I love my life? Can't recall? Has it been five years? Ten maybe? Or do you quite literally not remember a time when you felt peaceful and joyful? Well, how would you like to be one of those special women who glow because you're on a path to awakening and evolving consciously? If that sounds like where you want to be, but you just don't know how to get there, come join Leah Mattinson for one of her upcoming retreats in a beautiful, intimate, and very exclusive location. Dive deep in mind, body, and spirit. Go to reallifetraining.com for details. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm host Leah Mattinson along with my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. And today we're talking about uh, internal or external chaos that creates internal chaos and how to bring those things back into alignment. And with our particular focus today on the feminine aspect of developing the feminine and how we have become quite masculinized, how we women have become, become quite masculinized and how it has affected our families. So before the break, we were focusing on um my journey, I guess, as a woman who is almost 50 and uh, sort of culturally what has uh, happened throughout my journey with work and my journey with my family and sort of the consequences of um, this sort of a lifestyle around being masculine and driven. And just with 
like to pick up with you, Howard, on maybe you can talk about some of the models that we have used throughout the last 30 years to try and heal some of these things that are um, that have come up because of this movement away from the feminine. Well, um, you know, I guess they're various uh, models, and because it depends how it manifests itself. I mean, this sort of stress can manifest itself in illness and symptom, medical symptoms, in which case you go to a doctor. Um, if there are emotional symptoms, you might go into some sort of therapy. Um, if you feel you have control of that but need some real direction in your life moving on into a different space perhaps, then we're into coaching. Um, and then there's a whole variety of other things around that, some ancient, some popular, some both, some new, some great, some nonsense. Um, but... <laughs> You know, there's you know, there's a lot of people out there who will say they can help people in turmoil, and uh, I think you and I, you know, have the view that it, obviously, if you have sort of major psychiatric symptoms, those need to be dealt with. But for the most part, it isn't focusing on the negative things. It's really trying to bring out the positive in people so that they can find happiness. Um, so they can find purpose, so they can find meaning. Uh, and I think that's certainly where you're at, right? Yeah. Yes. And I just I had this, it's the, the vision of that we think those things are like tomorrow's goal, the happiness and purpose. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're, the goal is to actually just live in a constant state of that. And that the, that that idea or concept for most people is completely foreign. What do you mean? Happiness isn't mm-hmm. something I'm chasing. No. Right. <laughs> but for some reason, we've, again, it's like that's an entrainment. We've, we've been trained to think that happiness is, or, or joy or bliss or any of that stuff is something that exists on the other side of the mountain, yeah. which is false. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see that with this concept of retirement. People work, mm. work and work, and they work really hard, and they say, great, when I retire, I'm going to be happy. And actually, a lot of people are very unhappy when they retire for all sorts of reasons. Um, but, but one of them is, you know, retirement isn't, if you have this notion of retirement as a great big vacation, you're going to be extremely disappointed um, because uh, it's boring if you do that. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have meaning. And there's a lot, you know, and as somebody who lives in an area where there are a lot of retirees and where I had a practice, I can tell you a lot of people came down here, retired and thought, great, now I can play golf five times a week. Well, after doing that for a month, they are bored out of their brains. They're missing the stimulation and challenge of the things they used to do. Um, A lot of the relationships have, have gone and it's not a happy place. And I think that's what we're talking about um, as an example of assuming that someday, somehow, you will find, you'll reach the promised land and you'll be happy and that'll be wonderful yes, rather than <laughs> seeking it now, right? Right. Yes. This being this natural state that you wake up in, it should, it, um, the this I, we've got ourselves in this kind of trance of thinking that it's something that is outside of us. Um, so whether that's retirement or if it's if I lose two pounds or ten mm-hmm. pounds or if mm-hmm. my you know daughter cleans my car or 
later. <laughs> then I'll be yeah. happy. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be happy versus, well, I'm happy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's and, a completely different space to be in. And, and part of that is, you know, it's a word thing. What does happy mean to in normal usage? For most people, I think happy means temporary pleasure. Whereas what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about happiness is something much deeper than that. You know, a connection with others, meaningful life, purpose, uh, to some extent peace, but you can't always be peaceful. Um, but it's not temporary pleasure. That is not what it is. And that's yes, how people… It's not hedonistic. <laughs> it is not. Now, and that's how people use the word happy. And actually, that's how they think of it, too. So, it's, I can work hard all week, and then the weekend, I'm going to, and then I'll be happy for the weekend, which, well, you might be relaxed and you might have a good time, but, you know, if you go back to the rat race and, you know, your blood pressure's going up during the week and you're going crazy and you're, quotation mark, fighting the traffic and everything else, eh, that's not happiness. Yeah, and, and to think that you would live 50% of your, or, you know, five days of the week in that space is just, to me, it's like, wow, it might be time for reevaluation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, coming back to the uh, men are driven, they, they, or that masculine energy is a driving energy. So, how do, you know, from a feminine perspective, I can say what I would like my week to, you know, look like, feel like. Um, and the things that I've given up along the way that I that I uh, given up or or stopped doing along the way that now I go I'm going to bring those back into my life to bring me back into that space of um, you know being more giving birth to ideas and creativity and um, being nurturing and it's a con- it's a very conscious effort because I've got rewarded along the way a lot for being driven for mm-hmm. you know for having strength and. And uh, being determined and persistent and, and all those things. I've had a lot of um, good rewards for that. Um, mm-hmm. But they've, they've led to some things that haven't been so hot. So in the moment, it's felt like a good reward, like a great paycheck and you know, mm-hmm. pats on the back from, from people saying great work and good job and all that. And at the end of the day, they've you know, led to, on a physical level, the manifestation of some injuries that I probably wouldn't have had if I wouldn't have been doing, you know, 5,000 box jumps and 10,000 burpees, which are, it's a, those are masculine, um, you know, sorts mm-hmm. of things. Yes. But, yeah. So the, so those, uh, and moving away also from the artistic creative side of, of uh, life. So even things like baking or, you know, baking cookies mm-hmm. with the kids, which I did when they were young. And then I moved away from totally doing that. Because it didn't get it, it wasn't that driven energy. And when we when we um, light ourselves up through that drive, some chemistry changes in our brain, right, Howard? Yes, for sure. I mean, if you are really driven and focused, uh, which is great to be some of the time, um, the problem is turning it off. And, and for some people, that doesn't work for them anyway. Um, their skills don't really go with being driven in that sense you know if you're if you're passionate about something you don't need to feel driven in the sense like i gotta do this in this sort of obsessive way um you you'll want to do it just because it's if it's who you are and it's part of your talent and you know you in a way you don't really have to think about it um you don't have to think about oh i gotta get this done by you know nine o'clock tonight and okay well if i work for the next six hours i'll I'll, i can do it i mean it it doesn't 
that's a different sense of it. And um, so there's there's being accomplished, there's achieving things, there's creating things, there's being driven. They're, they're all slightly different. And I think the mindset that you have when you're doing it is very, very important. And again, if that ties into your passion, the things that are meaningful to you in your life, it won't feel like a job in a sense. It won't feel like you have to do it uh, because there's a deadline or because somebody wants you to do it or there's a paycheck at the end of the line. You have different motivations. I very much, yeah, very much think of passion as something where you're doing it and you lose all track of time so it's like you know when your parent knocks on the bedroom door and says hey so-and-so are you in there and you think holy smokes how many how many hours did i spend doing this thing and Mm -hmm. it's because you've completely lost track of and immersed yourself in in something that speaks to you at at more of a heart level that you're you're just doing it out of sheer um joy in doing the act of that which i find with isaac (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. It's like I completely lose track of time with him. I'm nothing like uh, with him as uh, like I was with my children because I was working in a very much more frantic um, way at that time. See, I even use the word frantic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But with him, it's just the moments of bliss are, and it's reverent. And and so uh, I think that he's also been part of the catalyst of me seeing more of that in my own life of what the times when I've been um, driven. And now, it's so important to carve out time with him uh, that all this other stuff has really taken a completely different, um, like a very big backseat, you know, making time to bake with him, making time to play in mm-hmm. the sand with him, um, mm-hmm. hugging, just hugging. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. No, I agree. And, and I think the danger is because of sort of economic concerns and having mm-hmm. feel you have to earn X amount of dollars. Um, you know, that drives us, which is the wrong driver. I really believe that's the wrong driver. Um, because that's easier said than done, but, but I, I really believe it. As we get stuck in doing the same things, because first of all, it gives us a paycheck and that's what we feel we should do. And, you know, my own experience, I, and I, has really helped me understand that. You know, when we've talked about this on the show, you know, going 30 plus years as a practicing psychologist, very busy doing lots of things, and then suddenly changing completely my profession to now tapping in to that creative side, which I have, the ability to express myself, help people, and manifest my talents in a completely different way has been actually incredibly liberating to me. You know, my yes, wife will say that. Yeah. <laughs> my wife will say to me, you're a different guy. You're a different person than you were, and 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 in a positive way too. You know, you just you're just not you know you're just not stressed. You're not harassed. You're not. I got to get out the door. It, it it it. She says you're so much more relaxed, um, and you know. So I have personal experience of that, and you know, if it hadn't been forced on me, I almost certainly wouldn't have done it. But having done it and having been in that position position it's incredible so i'm 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 a living example too as you are of what happens when you do change when you do change that direction when you make some conscious decisions about what you're going to do how you're going to do it 
you know, then you feel not defined by the name that you have. You know, I don't feel, you know, before I felt, well, I was defined because I could call myself a psychologist. I don't feel that now. I feel that I am manifesting the things that I want to manifest and the skills and talents that I have. And in a way, that really doesn't have a a name, and I don't care because my experience of it is so much more, in many ways, fulfilling. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't. I'm not saying my career before wasn't fulfilling, but it was in a different way. And I do feel that I'm manifesting, as I say, my skills and talents in a way that I want to. Yeah, and I think you hit on a really important point, is uh, or many important points. Uh, first of all, I love the word harassed. <laughs> I just gotta say that's such a great word. <laughs> I feel harassed, and that uh, when it, it's like a thing that we lose sight of is this is really a journey. So that whole end destination, we get caught up on what the end de- destination is, and then we're going to have some sort of you know, you know, miraculous happiness you know mm-hmm. descend upon us or joy disp- descend descend upon us. But really, if we appreciate. All of these crossroads that we have, like your crossroad of having that change in your profession, and there's many crossroads that we all Mm -hmm. go through, and these, um, you know, rites of passage, different cultures use different languaging around them, but very few people have a straight trajectory from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Like life is full of these things that bounce us back and forth, and and our, um, the quest, the adventure uh, the journey is about uh, just doing our best to stretch through each one of those things and come out on the other side of it intact in some way, <laughs> you know, changed um, uh, for the better and intact. And sometimes that's an easy thing and sometimes it's a more difficult um, thing to achieve. But that really is kind of the uh, everyone's journey. Everyone's got trials and tribulations and challenges, some people more, some people less. Uh, however, we've all got them to go through. And when we understand that the crossroads, some people call that the dark night of the soul, you know, if it's a really difficult crossroads, it's like, how do we stretch ourselves to have um, faith in ourselves that we won't mm-hmm. lose our footing mm-hmm. entirely? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it can be dark when you've lost your anchors and you haven't reestablished them or established them elsewhere. Um, that can be tough as you struggle with that. Um, And that's where perhaps people need help and support to encourage that they have, they have everything they need. They've just got to focus on that. Correct. I mean, they have, we have those skills and talents. Um, And so after the break, perhaps we'll look at some of the practical aspects of this for, for our listeners who might be struggling with different sorts of stresses um, and different role stresses as to, How do you get back on track or get to a different track? So we'll talk about that in the last segment of this Master Your Life. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When was the last time you said, I love myself and I love my life? Can't recall? Has it been five years? Ten maybe? Or do you quite literally not remember a time when you felt peaceful and joyful? 
Well, how would you like to be one of those special women who glow because you're on a path to awakening and evolving consciously? If that sounds like where you want to be, but you just don't know how to get there, come join Leah Mattinson for one of her upcoming retreats in a beautiful, intimate, and very exclusive location. Dive deep in mind, body, and spirit. Go to reallifetraining.com for details. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet, but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my co-host, Leah Mattinson. And today we have been talking about a variety of things, including different role stresses as the culture changes, particularly in the roles of women. Uh, we've been talking about the influence of a hectic, fast, materialist lifestyle, and the fact that the answer to all of these struggles really rests within each of us in terms of finding what our skills, talents, meaning, purpose is, and making sure we can manifest that. And, and Leah, um, let's talk about some of the practical ways that you can do that. Uh, you're, you're an excellent and very successful life coach. When you see people struggling with these issues, how do you approach that? I think, thank you so much for asking, Howard. I think there's a few things that I do, and, and I love coaching. I love my coaching practice, and I do see people that have made, you know, great strides on really difficult um, uh, subjects in their in their life. I think one of the one of the things that I've also recognized in this last few years is that my coaching practice is a little bit different than I think a lot of my contemporaries. In that, I've always used moral intelligence as the basis of for all of the coaching that I do, moral intelligence and bliss. And I didn't realize that what I've been doing through my, you know, 25 plus years of coaching practice was getting people to look at their spirit and to go like, what's the spiritual direction that we need to take here? And, uh, mm. you know, cause we mm-hmm. weren't, I wasn't raised in a very esoteric kind of a, a life. I mm-hmm. with, <laughs> just, I just mm-hmm. wasn't, but I think that uh, for whatever reason, the underpinnings of the practices or spiritual practices that I was raised with still have that, um, like the esoteric threads throughout it. So as I've gotten older, I've recognized, and I've always been a continuous learner. Um, and I think that that's something that helps um, all people to be able mm-hmm. to, um, you know, transition through, through things is just developing an, an enormous curiosity about your own uh, life and your own struggles and and how to uh, be to do things towards the good 
um, but becoming curious about it as opposed to shaming yourself or, you know, feeling like you've let yourself down or that you're, you know, just that whatever you've got going on with yourself can't be fixed. And instead taking the mm. position of Sherlock Holmes <laughs> kind of right, in my right. own life. Yeah. yeah. yeah and so yeah. that's one thing that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I decided to take an actual course on spiritual direction and went, oh, there's all these parallels. How cool is that? And, uh, you know, just understanding, you know, more deeply uh, where some of my own learning, training and successes have come from. But coaching doesn't always work. Um, mm. What do you mean by that? it can be very, well, I think it can be very like point A to point B, B to C, C to D. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like on a timeline and this is the goal for today. And, and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily take into account um, factors that, you know, maybe we can't see like, uh, besides things that are besides things that are completely obvious, like if somebody's sleep is off, you know, it affects mm-hmm. all of the outcomes of everything that they do the next day. But also if their spouse's sleep is off or mm-hmm. if there's something global that's gone on that somebody has taken in um, and imprinted on, on themselves that can be quite exhausting. Like I would watch my mom watch TV and she would have a very emotional reaction to the violence that she would see. Mm. Um, even though it had nothing to do with her, but very much drained the energy of. So from a coaching perspective, just kind of the, you know, the vision of who you are and the vision of where you want to be and the gap that's in between those two things, you you can't necessarily get people to do one more push-up every day. Um, Right. Even though practically it looks like that's something that could happen. So from a spiritual perspective, it's more about understanding the, you know, the, the energy centers of the body and the, you know, how we function at a level that is outside of the brain and the ego. Because the brain and the ego are usually the things that create the problem. So right. when we use our right. brain and ego right. to change the brain and ego, which is coaching or psychotherapy right. or any of those things, you're, it's a non-starter. Like this was mm-hmm. a huge thing for me to go, holy moly. Well, no wonder so many people start out great in coaching, and then, you know, two or three years later, they fall off. Mm-hmm. Because you're using this brain and ego to solve a problem that it created. And so getting beyond that, um, and we've talked about it in other shows, you know, meditation takes you completely out of uh, the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about being detached from things. So learning the skill of meditation and understanding you know chakras and energy centers which are this you know kind of the same thing um so in western cultures we talk about energy centers like the uh, pineal gland the pituitary gland and the throat and the heart and the pancreas and all that stuff and in chakras they talk about you know the crown chakra and the third eye but they are in and of themselves they're referring to the same things and so Mm -hmm. these ancient traditions really bypass the brain and the ego uh, to bring healing to people, to all people, um, as long as you can suspend the ego in the brain. Yeah, and I think that's that's the key. You know, um, somewhere, some time ago, I wrote spirituality is the opposite of narcissism, and <laughs> and I really think that's what spirituality is. It's it's rising above the brain and the ego, and you know, part of in a big part of that is. How you talk about moral intelligence? How are you relating to other people? What's the state of your relationships? You know, are they toxic? Is it, are you are you not giving anything? Are you are you giving to the wrong people? Uh, 
I think that's important, and I'm sure that factors in to your the spiritual side to your coaching, to look at those relationships you have and evaluate them and look at who else you could be relating to in a way that would give you satisfaction and real meaning because that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I think there's twofold to that is the external relationship with other people. And we've had great, you know, guests Mm -hmm. that have um, talked about the covenant of safety, you know, with each other, with taking care of each other's hearts. Uh, I Uh think before you can take care of or feel, before you can take care of somebody else's heart, you have to have a well-tended garden of your own heart. And so if your if your heart isn't in you know is not um, you know bathed in abandonment and shame and betrayal like if you've got those things have happened to all of us uh, when you've when you've healed or you're mindful of those things and you're, you're moving through your um, field of possibilities of being well then you can enter into these relationships with other people that are um, from a place of integrity. And integrity being that you're you come into it uh, with a heart that is able to be open uh, to the heart of other people, and that's a very very different thing than what we see when people connect on that brain ego level. Oh, that gal's hot, or oh, that guy's hot, or that guy earns you know five hundred million dollars mm-hmm. a year, or right, whatever right. the base sort of thing is. And certainly not to say that those things can be are mutually exclusive. There could be very no, handsome right. men who are good-hearted who make great <laughs> money, and all that can be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right. true. But but I think that I think that's right. And it's to be honest, it's one of the things that has bothered me about healthcare in general, certainly in the U.S. and I suspect elsewhere, is that because of political correctness and hipper and a gazillion other things, sometimes it is very difficult for a therapist to be really authentic. They've got to go through the dealing at the brain ego, you know, level rather than at some other completely different level, even the spiritual level. Um, and that always bothered me or has bothered me about that. Um, and I don't know what the answer to that is, really, to be honest. Because what we're talking about here is having genuine, authentic relationships uh, where you care enough about yourself to be authentic and you care enough about other people to be authentic and allow them to be too. And um, as I say, political correctness, maybe that's that has been... it. Political correctness's biggest casualty, um, even in healing, that people mm-hmm. can't do that, you know? And um, mm-hmm. I see that as a big problem. But again, that's where coaching is, is different from therapy, uh, where you can do that if you feel comfortable enough to it, which hopefully you are. I know you are. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, I, yes. I know therapists who, um, and coaches who would run it, you know, as if they're checking off a checklist and it's all very functional and it's all very scripted. And I can't see how that can be very effective, to be honest. Yeah, and I think that it's, um, that it's so interesting how a lot of the problems that we see in, in healthcare now are problems of the heart. So it's either mm-hmm. <laughs> the, I, whatever the number one killer is might even be malpractice or you know giving <laughs> patients right. wrong medicine 
so, you know, their number one is we're going to an external source for wisdom and care, and that external source is killing us. You know, so there's mm-hmm. nothing politically correct about that. That's just the truth. And then we have all of these problems of the heart coming up um, that might be like number three in the world of things that kill people. You know, so <laughs> so mm-hmm. all these heart problems, I, I believe myself, are because we're so disconnected from our heart. And mm-hmm. that, you know, the traditional models of, of um, you know, just trying to, trying to get things things fixed have been very much well if I just do one more thing off this checklist just as you pointed out then everything's going to be okay and right. and that doesn't necessarily work so for people who want to go deeper into um, you know kind of ha- there's really good evidence now scientific evidence so I think this is where that cross-section we often talk about the cross-section between spirituality and science and you know spirituality has been around for like since ancient times this is nothing about religion it's just spirituality and um, that science uh, is it has its place in um, providing evidence that um, spirituality is working. And sometimes science can support it, and sometimes it can't. And sometimes it's like an evolution of time, and then all of a sudden science goes, oh, yes, that is a real thing. Like neuroscience, for example, mm-hmm. would be a, a primary example. Um, and then, you know, kind of meditation has shown that coaching models and psychotherapy, uh, I think if you looked at, uh, kind of the, the models of those things, that some of that uh, hasn't been very effective, but still going back to ancient uh, traditions, that the effectiveness of those things is uh, quite like dramatically different. Like in, in countries where they're practicing meditation, um, say in Tibet, we'll just throw that one out there, uh, they, their healthcare system is completely absent. Like they have... <laughs> right, yeah. So the... Yeah. Again, so they don't have you know, systems. Yeah, but they don't have systems, and again, they're approaching it, it from sort of happiness, health, wellness care, rather mm-hmm. than disease care. If 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 your model is disease care, then you're going to be into conventional Western medicine of medicines and fixing symptoms, rather than trying to get people to understand that the stresses in their life are preventing them from being happy, they can manage those and manifest themselves in different ways. And of course, a lot of those symptoms then disappear. Um, they, yes. They're not necessary. So um, so it's, it's an interesting um, crossroads in a way. I mean, clearly there are some conditions where the symptoms are so devastating that they absolutely, of course, need to be treated with conventional (laughs) medicine. But when we're talking about everyday angst and stresses that can create all sorts of physical problems, um, there's a way around that. And it's about looking at your life, examining it, um, taking on that spiritual role and looking at your relationships, how you relate to the rest of the world, how it relates to you, and really working on that, knowing what your talents and skills are, and finding a way of manifesting them, and not and not feeling bad uh, in any way if you don't fit into the conventional cultural thing that you've got to be a huge wage earner and you know you got to do all these things. Right. And in fact, just want to pick up on that um, point as we close out the show. 
that often we've been raised uh, that only things that happen within a system are the things that we should participate in. And as a lifelong learner, and Howard, I know you've taken lots of training outside of your traditional you know, school training that you've uh, participated in things along the way. And for most people that listen to this show, I would think that they probably have you know, done some personal development work or they would be open to that. But the, the idea, the, it's, it's a cool idea and an empowering idea of building something for yourself outside of a system. Like you mm. have to decide which is more important, the system or your freedom, like your actual freedom to be well. And uh, so people will say, well, I can't attend fill in the blank here because it's not covered by fill in the blank here versus, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, versus I'm going to take care of my health. I'm going to take care of my family's health or my wellness by participating in whatever these things are, further training, et cetera, et cetera. And so most of the people that come through the doors at our business, like at Real Life Training, uh, are people who are uh, into personal development and understand that we have been through um, most training ourselves and have a really good idea of what works, what doesn't work, and what doesn't stick. So we built our reputation based on that, um, the, that the solutions that we bring to people are solutions that stick and that have staying power and that not only manifest goodness in their lives, but in their families' lives as well. Uh, so just as we close out the show, I'd encourage people to check out um, the upcoming monthly workshops that we have worldwide uh, at Real Life training.com and maybe there's something there that would be a fit for you at this time in your life to help you um, to stretch through whatever is the um, uh, current roadblocks and and to find some solutions that have lasting um, staying power because I've been in the same frustrated position uh, and so it's through my own delving into again being curious about how do I fix this within myself uh, that I've come up with the solutions that um, work. The show of insight, intelligence, and inspiration. We hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now... Go enjoy your successful life.